The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Okay, cool. Excited to be with you guys tonight. Excited for the topic. Um, let's, let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Father, as always, we come before you uh, because we know where the source of life is. God, we turn our eyes our focus, our attention to you because we know that you're the only one that has anything worth anything. God, because you have the answers, because you have the life that we are longing for, because you are the ultimate joy, because you are the ultimate peace. God, we turn to you because you are strength, because you are wisdom, because you are love. God, because you are holiness. And God, because you know more than anyone or anything what we need. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us tonight? Would your presence be manifest in this place as we look to your word, as we try to understand another spiritual discipline, God? Would you bring clarity and insight? Would you use the deadness of my words and put life on them? Would you resurrect the lukewarm hearts that so many of us have in this room tonight, that we might awake from our sleep, shake off our grogginess, and recognize and realize that you are alive and that you are God. So we pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Have you guys ever owned something before, an object, and not realized for maybe even years the full potential of that object? You buy something, you're excited about it, you don't take time to read the manual, you just figure out how to do the basics of it, and then years later, you find out, oh, it did something I didn't even know. Uh, I, I just, it just got totaled, but I had a car uh, recently, um, long story, I didn't total it, don't worry. Uh, had a car recently that I didn't know for two years had cruise control. <laughs> I'm like, man, it'd be so great if this car had cruise, hey, this car has cruise control. Didn't know. Never took the time really to stop and really understand it. Um, I remember... Uh, the first time I bought a guitar pedal, and if you guys want a guitar pedal, it's just like this thing you step on and it makes your guitar sound cool. Um, I got my first one and, I, and it did all kinds of crazy things, but I didn't really know how to work it. I didn't understand anything about it, so I just kind of pretended to know what I did, pretended to know how it worked and used it for a long time, and then years went on and then I started playing with this thing. I'm like, this thing does all kinds of stuff. I had no idea that this thing did so many cool things. I feel like I've bought so many things like that in my life. And, and as I've gotten older, I've started to realize like it, t- it kind of pays to take a minute and figure out so- how something works. You know, like it, it, takes, it, it pays to take a minute and figure out how your new, uh, you know, updated software on your phone works and figure out what the new gadgets are because they're helpful, you know? The, the, the topic that we're going to talk about tonight in our spiritual discipline series, I think is probably the most neglected of the spiritual disciplines. I would honestly say that it is the most, not only neglected, but misunderstood. That people don't do it because people don't understand it. And they don't understand it because no one ever talks about it. And so I'm excited for tonight. And and, and I come from that really from the angle of saying that I really don't fully get it either. (laughs) Um, It wasn't really until this week when I started diving into this subject that I really understood what the Bible had to say about this subject. So we're all kind of learning this together, okay? And maybe some of you have more experience in this subject than I do, but we're all going to kind of take this on together. Tonight we're going to talk about the subject of fasting, okay? Um, 
So uh, we're gonna have a little potluck afterwards if you guys, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No. And all seriousness, I, before I knew the topic, I was like, oh, it'd be fun to have a little fellowship time afterwards. And I was like, what's the topic? Oh, never mind. Okay, we'll drink water. Now, um, I also thought it'd be funny to just like have a stash of candy bars up here and just <laughs> sort of mow on one while we're talking about fasting. Um, we're going to talk about the, the, the subject of, of fasting, and, and this is a fascinating one uh, for me. So tell me, what, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word fasting? Okay. What's the first thing that you think of? This is, this is the first thing I thought of today. I, I, I thought, well, what, what, what comes to my mind when I think of fasting? I picture, have you ever seen the movie Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail? Have you guys seen that movie? Okay. Um, no one has. Cool. This is going to be really funny. Um, there's this really funny scene. It's like British humor from like the 70s or something. Um, it's really funny. It's, it's like a spoof on King Arthur and Camelot and all this stuff. And there's this scene where these monks uh, are like walking in a line, chanting prayers, and then every five seconds smacking themselves in the head with a board. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking It's really funny because it, it's just really representative of a religion. Uh, and what they're basically doing is they're, they're beating themselves up um, to try to pay for sin and, and feel better about, you know, their, their sinful nature. That's what I think of when I think of fasting. I'm like, why would I walk around hitting myself in the face with a board, you know? Like, that just sounds funny. It's like when you tell your mom you have something in your eye and she says it's your finger, you know? Like, why would, why would I purposely put myself through something like that? Why would I choose to be hungry? It doesn't really make sense. And really, at, at the core of what I picture when I first think about fasting, it's very telling, actually, of, of what I think most, most of us think of. We think it's sort of this archaic religious practice of beating yourself up to somehow feel like you've been forgiven, to somehow like feel like you've paid uh, for your sin, that you can not feel guilty anymore. But I really want to tonight just bring hopefully some clarity and, and explain what really is meant to be, because I truly believe that fasting is an incredible tool in our toolbox, okay? It's an incredible means, not by which to be saved, okay? but a tool to better understand the grace and the glory of God, just like all of the other ones that we've talked about. Hopefully I've made that very clear in this, this, in this, this class or this, whatever you want to call it, this series, um, that these disciplines are not a means by which to pay for salvation, okay? These are a means by which to draw near to God, to become more like Jesus, to grow in our relationship with God. So that might be one thing that comes to your mind, hit yourself in the face of the board. Another thing might, might come to mind is, is a popular um, health technique. If you Google fasting, one of the first things that will come up is nothing to do with religion, actually, but just a simple health fast. It's really trendy right now um, in health circles uh, to, to, to do fasting. In fact, even one of the paleo books that I read recently talks about this thing called intermediate fasting, where you either skip a meal every day or you skip a day of just eating every few days. It's actually good for you. It's, it's sort of cleansing. It gets rid of toxins. It's, it's got health benefits, which, by the way, is cool. Okay? So when you fast, it's actually good for you in a lot of ways if you do it right. So you might think of that kind of fasting, uh, but that's not really what we're talking about here. Okay? We're not talking about hitting yourself in the face with a board. We're not talking about just cleansing your body of toxins, although that, that could happen if you do it. Um, we're talking about something very different. No. What are the reasons people don't fast? What are the reasons people, people don't do it? Here's, here's a few that I could think of. Um, the first reason is our culture is obsessed with indulgence, okay? Um, we're obsessed with indulgence. We love to 
um, please ourselves. We love to eat lots of food. We love to not just watch one episode of Lost, but the whole season. We love to not just have a spoonful of ice cream, but sit with the whole tub, right? And, and I'm, I'm really talking about myself right now. Um, we are a culture of indulgence. We're really bad at moderation. And we love to just have as much as we possibly can of something. It's just kind of the way that we are. So the idea of abstaining from food or another thing just seems kind of weird, right, in our culture. Another reason that we don't fast, um, it kind of sounds like something dug up from an ancient religion, you know, like someone found some weird scroll in Egypt and said, oh, we should not eat food. Let's do that. I mean, it sounds like something that, that was done hundreds of years ago in another cultural context that doesn't really make a lot of sense, so why would we do it today, okay? Um, that, that's another reason. Um, another reason is that people have modeled it really poorly, okay? Here's the ironic thing about fasting is the people that you've seen fast were probably doing it wrong because biblically, you're not supposed to tell anyone you're fasting. So Jesus said, you know, that if you are going to fast, you know, don't go look like you're all down and tired and, and go into the street so everyone knows you're fasting. He says, make, make sure you kind of, it's between you and God. So the funny thing about that is that the people that have probably done fasting right, you probably never knew they were fasting, right? And the people that were doing it probably wrong are the people that you saw. So all the examples I can think of of people that I've seen fast were doing it very wrong. They were doing it for attention. They were doing it for, for whatever reasons, um, or they were doing it in, in an unhealthy way. So I think that's another reason. Um, another reason is it's sort of a religious thing across the board. When you think of fasting, you don't just think of Christianity, right? You think of Islam. Like, for instance, um, Islam in, in the month of Ramadan, they, they fast for, for an extended amount of time. It's part of their religion. Um, almost every world religion has some sort of fasting in it, and that can kind of muddy the waters a little bit. So wait a minute. Is this something that is just a religious thing? Is this something that Christians do? Is this just in the Old Testament? Is this in the New Testament? And then the last reason that I think that people don't fast, and this is really probably the... Uh, the biggest reason is we just don't get it. <laughs> we don't understand it. Um, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you guys, completely transparent. I have not done a lot of at least food fasting in my life. I've done fasting from other things, which we'll talk about, but I haven't done a lot of food fasting. I've done maybe a couple 24-hour ones, and they were really pointless. It was basically like I could have, might as well just hit myself in the face with a board. It was really, there was no point in doing it because I wasn't doing it for a reason. I didn't know why I was doing it. I just thought, oh, I should probably do that, because that's what Christians do. And maybe some of us have done that before, right? You're just fasting because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to fast, you know? Most of us don't understand what it is. And so this study was intriguing for me. I'm excited to dig into some of this material with you guys. Now, I'm going to give you a little, a little bit of a uh, preface here. This is going to be much more lecture kind of based. It's going to be a lot of information. I don't like information dump preaching. <laughs> I really don't. I'm always aiming at the heart. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to take the time on this subject to really say, what does the Bible say all throughout about this subject? Like, I really want to clarify for you guys um, and for myself, really, what is fasting biblically? And try to get a good understanding of it. So it may seem like a lot of information. It may seem like a lot of scriptures. But if you can bear with me, I know you guys are tired and you worked all day and you want to take a nap. And if you want to, that's okay. I'll just call you out by name. It's okay. Um, I've done it before, actually, so it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, I won't do that. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's start with this. What is fasting? Okay, what is fasting? Here is going to be our working definition. So if you're note takers, guys, write this down. It's money. I put it on a sticky note and put it right in front of me because this is the most important thing I'm going to say all night. Okay, this is John Piper. 
um, one of my favorite pastors. This is his definition of fasting, and it's fantastic. It is this. Fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is good in order to intensify our need for something greater. Okay, I'm going to say that again because I want you guys to write it down if you have a pen. Fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is good in order to intensify our need for something greater. Notice he says something good. That means it's not like I'm going to quit smoking. <laughs> it's not really good for you anyways, okay? Um, it's, it's giving up something that's actually a good thing. It's giving up something for a period of time that actually is, can be beneficial in your life in order to recognize something greater, and we'll get into that. Here's another definition by Donald Whitney. He's the author of a fantastic book I've been resourcing a lot in this teaching, uh, or in this series uh, called The uh, Spiritual Disciplines of a Christian Life. He says this, he says, fasting is abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. I love it, short and sweet, okay? Fasting is an absence of food for spiritual purposes. And then one last one that might be helpful. William Secker, the Puritan, said this, by fasting, the body learns to obey the soul. By praying, the soul learns to command the body. So he says fasting is a way to... to, to um, Teach your body to obey your soul. In other words, your body is not the boss. <laughs> your body is not in control. Your stomach is not king, even though it might be, actually. Um, your stomach is not the one calling the shots. Um, your soul is. It's sort of his definition, and, and fasting is a way to control that. So is fasting in the Bible? It is, actually, a lot. In fact, you would probably be surprised to know how much it's in the Bible, which blows me away because no one ever talks about it. It hardly ever comes up. Um, I think mostly because if you preach on it, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, like, oh no, now we got to do it. Um, I think that's why a lot of people don't talk about it. Um, it's, it's hardly ever brought up, but in the Bible, it's actually talked about over 70 times. Okay, that's up there with like baptism. I think baptism's talked about like 74 times. Fasting's talked about 70 times in the Bible. We have all kinds of examples, all kinds of illustrations of it. People in the Bible who fasted were just a few. Uh, Moses, the lawgiver, right? David, the king. Elijah, the prophet. Esther, the queen. Daniel, the seer. Uh, Anna, the prophetess. Paul, the apostle. And of course, even Jesus Christ practiced fasting. This was a discipline that he actually did intensely and very, very specifically. Uh, great Christian men and women that have fasted, such as Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, they're all old dead guys that write books you can't understand, Charles Finney, and then even Elizabeth Elliot um, was, was very, very adamant about fasting. So, is it commanded? Does the Bible say you have to do it? No. But here's what Jesus does say that means, that, that kind of makes us think maybe we should take it seriously. When Jesus talks about fasting, he, he, he gives some, some uh, guidelines for how you are to fast. And at the beginning of those guidelines, he says this phrase. He says, when you fast. Okay? He doesn't say, if you choose to fast. Or if you decide maybe once, twice in your life you want to, no, he says, when you fast. Implicit in that is that the believer will fast. Okay? That doesn't mean that you're saved, not saved if you don't fast. But implicit in that is that the believer will fast. So the Bible does make a pretty big deal out of it. Seemingly is mandated. How long do you fast for? 
How long do you fast for? Um, we have all kinds of examples. It's not made clear exactly how long, but here's a few. Uh, we see a one-night fast, okay? So if you want to fast for one night, it's in the Bible. Judges 20, 1 Samuel 7, and more. There's three-day fasts, there's four-day fasts, there's 21-day fasts, and there's even 40-day fasts, which we see Jesus partaking in in Matthew chapter 4. So all across the board, all kinds of different styles of fasting, all different lengths of fasting. So there's kind of the 40,000 or whatever flyover what fasting is. Now let's get into the why, okay? It's the most important thing you ever talk about on any subject is the why. Okay, that's great. That's what fasting is, but why? Should we do it? Why should we pay attention? So I, I want to look at four different reasons, and, and they're all very similar. Um, but, but just picture that we're building a table, <laughs> and we want four legs under this table, okay? So we're going to look at four different legs under this table of fasting. Number one is this. So if you're taking notes, number one is to see God as greater than his creation. We fast to see God is greater than his creation. Let me do a little bit of groundwork on this one, okay? So um, in history, we see people approaching fasting through different worldviews, okay? And we had a whole worldview season, a uh, whole worldview series a few months back if you want to look into what that means. Um, one, of the, one of the primary worldviews when it comes to things like this is called um, asceticism, Okay, asceticism. And what asceticism basically is, is their worldview is that all desire for physical things is evil. Okay, so if you want to take pleasure in anything in this world, whether it be food, whether it be romance, whether it be uh, sex, whatever it might be, anything in that desire from physical things is evil. Okay, so you see this pop up in things like um, the Hasidic Judaism, the guys in the black penguin suits with the, you know, the crazy, the little twirly hair things, um, those guys, we saw them in Israel, uh, they, they very much believe in the asceticism. They're trying to separate themselves from the desires of this world, the physical comforts of this world. Uh, you see this in the monastic lifestyle, okay? People that are monks, people that are trying to go to places to completely separate themselves from the world in hopes that they can avoid evil by somehow um, separating themselves from Earthly desires. This pops up in Hinduism and Buddhism where they actually make the enemy desire. If you can alleviate desire, then you're no longer unsatisfied. That's basically what they say. Now, there's problems with that. And the Bible makes them very clear, right? Jesus said that desire is not evil. Who's evil? Who's evil? We are. <laughs> okay? It's not that our desires are evil. It's that we are evil. That means that if you take me and put me on an island, I'm still evil, <laughs> okay? If you separate me from Western culture and put me in a bubble, I'm still evil because I am the source. If you homeschool your kid and make him wear, uh, you know, homeschool attire and never let him see another kid his age, he's still going to sin because he's a sinner, okay? So we are the source of evil. So that's the problem with demonizing desire for earthly things. Because the, the issue isn't our desire for earthly things. The issue is when we take those earthly things and we put them in the wrong place. So Jesus doesn't say desire is evil. He says man is evil. God made us to enjoy creation. He did. He designed you with nerves, with taste buds, with feelings, with emotions that you might enjoy the creation that he 
gave you. That's why we don't have to feel guilty for enjoying the things that God gave us, okay? If, you, if you're constantly struggling with guilt for enjoying food or for enjoying certain things within the bounds of the Bible, then you're probably struggling with the same things that the asceticism is. You're, you're living in a monastic type of, of mentality. You're hitting yourself in the head with a board, okay? I have to punish myself. I have to get rid of my desires. It's not God's intent. Now, fasting at first sort of seems like that, doesn't it? Like, I have to try to, to, to starve myself, to, to, to deal with my desires. It's not really the point of it at all. Listen, fasting is not to keep us from desiring things, but rather to guide our desire to its greatest good. Okay, so it's not to, to keep us from desiring things. It's to keep our desires in check to focus on the greatest thing, God himself. Now, both approaches have, have danger, okay? The danger of feasting uh, is that we fall in love with the gift. Uh, the danger of fasting is that we deny ourselves the gift of God. Does that make sense? So, so if, if you're all about feasting, okay, you, you'll oftentimes forget about the one that gave you the feast in the first place. If you're all about fasting, you're missing out on what God has given you. So there's a place for it, and, and it's to be done to, to remind us, to make us look up and see that God is greater than his creation. Okay, which is the first point. God is greater than his creation. My friend Doug Gardner, he's not here. He goes to our church. He's a stud. Uh, he, he gave me such a good example the other day when we were talking about some of these things. Um, he said, you know, in, in regards to worshiping God, he said that when he would give his kids a gift on Christmas or birthday or whatever, um, and they would take that gift and unwrap it, and they're excited, and they would run outside, he wouldn't expect them to sit at his feet staring up at him and say, Father, thank you, thank you, Father, the whole time. Like, no, he wants them to go play with the gift, right? But what he does want is occasionally for them to look back, acknowledge the fact that this cool gift came from my cool dad, right? Man, thank you, dad, because you are the source of this joy that I'm enjoying. Now go enjoy it, okay? Now what fasting does is it's just that quick glance up, okay? It's that glance up and saying, God, I'm so thankful for food, I'm so thankful for whatever it is that you've created, that you've given me the taste buds and, and the spirit and the heart to enjoy in life. But from time to time, I want to take a minute and I want to look up and say, God, you're the source of this thing. And you're actually greater than this thing. And sometimes choosing not to eat or, or choosing to, to withhold from something that you t find great pleasure in is just a great reminder. It's just a great way to look up and say, Lord, you gave me this. Jesus fasted, right, for 40 days, okay? That's a serious fast. I knew a guy that fasted for 40 days, and I could, like, blow him over. I could just go, I mean, I mean, he was so thin. I was seriously worried about him. He was a really godly man, and he tried really hard not to tell anyone, but it was pretty obvious something was wrong, you know? Like, dude, you, something's wrong. Um, Man, he fasted for, it's a serious undertaking to not eat food for 40 days. I would, I would really pray hard about that one, okay? But Jesus did it, because Jesus is God, okay? And he's a stud, right? So Jesus did it, but he didn't do it because food is evil. Jesus didn't say, oh, I gotta get away from the evil of food and go to the desert where there's no evil. No. Jesus did it because he wanted to illustrate his complete dependence on God. He wanted to illustrate that God was greater than food. And when Satan came to tempt him, what was the one of the first things he tempted him with? Food. Jesus was hungry. Hey, you could turn that rock into bread. And Jesus says, no, I'm good. 
It's kind of like that other time when the disciples are concerned about Jesus and they're saying, why aren't you eating? Aren't you hungry? And he says, I have food that you don't know about. I'm good. Jesus was very, very, very intentional about showing that God is greater than food and God is greater than God's creation. So, God's fa- so Christian fasting is not belittling the gift of God, but it, it points to the fact that God is superior to his creation. So that's, that's number one. Number two, the reason that you should fast, the why behind fasting, and these are all very similar, is to expose idolatry. To expose idolatry. Just to unpack that word really quick, if you're unfamiliar with that or you're new to church, um, you just picture an idol on a shelf and someone's worshiping an idol, they're making that their God, okay? Well, idolatry for us today isn't so much little idols on the shelves as much as it is square boxes we stare at all day or our kids, or our wives, or our money, or our hobbies. We make little gods out of everything, and we sacrifice and we worship to those. Now, what fasting can do is it can be a very good identifier of idols. It can be a very good thing to show us when we're worshiping something in a wrong place. Listen to what Cornelius Planting Jr. said. I have no idea who he is, but he was quoted in the book I was reading. It was really good. Um, I'd just like to have a last name like planting. Better be a gardener, right? Um, come on, that was, that was funny. Planting, gardener. Come on, guys. Um, <laughs> I'll laugh at my own joke. Okay. <laughs> he says this, self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude. And self-discipline, usually it's friend and generator. That is why gluttony is a deadly sin. The early desert fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. Interesting statement. Okay, another subject we never talk about in church is, is, is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gluttony. We never talk about it, uh, which is crazy because we're in America. Um, man, sometimes I eat like you would not believe, and I think, is that okay? <laughs> we never talk about it. But what he's saying is that we are so good at taking the edge off of any kind of discomfort, that, that sometimes we lose our thirst, our hunger for God. That we're so good at making things comfortable for ourselves that sometimes we don't realize that we have a need. Okay, we talked about this a lot in the meditation teaching, right? How good at distracting ourselves, at, at, at sort of tuning out God's voice through mindless entertainment and, and things of that nature. What we do is, is we, we are very good at using substances such as coffee, such as food, such as sugar. Uh, we're very good at using things like TV and internet and Facebook to just sort of get us through the next hour. You know, you get up and you're cranky. What's the first thing you do? I need coffee, Okay. That's okay. I'm the same way. First thing I do is coffee, okay? I'm starving. I'm grumpy. I need food. Food is important, okay? Get food. But what the problem is is that we're so good at just quickly appeasing ourselves that we never ever really realize issues that might be visible if we weren't appeasing ourselves constantly. Um, So here's here's an example. Thank you. Here's here's an example. Uh, One of my heroes just committed suicide. a few days ago. It was so sad. Dave Mira, if you guys, you guys are into BMX, I was really into freestyle BMX when I was a kid. I did it every day. I was going to be a pro, not really. Um, you know, it was like my thing, you know? And Dave Mira is like the godfather of BMX. Like, he's done any trick imaginable. He's the first one to do it. He's got like 15 gold medals in the X Games. The guy's a stud, okay? He's in his 40s now. He's got family. He's got kids. And I just found out that he committed suicide. I'm just thinking to myself, how does a guy like that commit suicide? 
How does God like that? And, and I was just thinking, and I don't want to draw to conclusions, and it's, it's really heartbreaking, uh, but, but, but here is my thought process is, when your whole life is centered around doing the next thing, okay, I did a back foot. Watch me do a double back foot. Okay, I did a double back foot. Watch me do a front foot. Okay, watch me do a double front foot. I mean, everything in this guy's life is more. And guys like that that win X games, they're adrenaline junkies. I mean, they have to do the next thing. They have to win the next goal. They have to go higher. They have to go farther. And I'm just wondering, did this guy hit a point? Is it an accident that when he hit 40, he was done? Was it any accident that he said, I can't go any further. My body's done. I can't do a bigger trick. I can't land a bigger trick. I, can't, I just can't do it anymore. And he sort of ran out. Now, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people taking their lives in our country because they never realize they have a problem. They never realize that they are worshiping an idol because that idol is always there to quickly appease them and get them through the next 10 minutes until they can just distract themselves long enough to continue moving on in life. They hate their lives, they have no joy, they have no hope, but there's always an idol there to plug that hole. There's always an idol there to fill that hole. And for many of us, including myself, food can easily become that. And when I'm depressed, what do we do? We snack. <laughs> we do. Like, we snack. Like, when, I, when I'm feeling down, I feel like, I, I, let's go to the store and get some ice cream, because I want to be cheered up. Okay, now that's not evil. Again, we're, we're not, it's not asceticism. But what I am saying is that fasting from time to time can allow you to see when you're raw and unappeased, what's really going on in your heart. Man, I'm so cranky when I don't eat. Well, maybe you're just cranky. <laughs> Man, I'm so grumpy when I don't have coffee. Maybe you're just grumpy. I'm so mean to my wife when I don't have sugar. You're probably just a jerk to your wife. I mean, these are the things that, that, that we have to think about. And sometimes fasting is simply a way to just expose our heart and say, man, I've got some work to do. Lord, I need you to, 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 to work on these things in my heart. So re- fasting can reveal our true, our true energy. So number three. Fasting is also to express longing for God. To express longing for God. And I want to look at a really key passage on this one. So if you have your Bibles, flip them to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Richard Foster, who wrote a book called The Celebration of Disciplines, um, has a chapter in there about fasting, and he said that the most important text in the Bible in establishing the importance of fasting is Matthew chapter 9. Okay, so really key text in, in the attempt to understand the why behind fasting. So let's zoom in. Let's give this text respect and adoration as we read it. Um, here's what happens. Chapter 9, verse 14. Then the disciples of John... Okay, which John? John the Baptist, okay? Because if you remember, John the Baptist had a ministry actually before Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist's ministry was pointing to Christ's ministry. And John, just like Jesus, had disciples. He had followers. He had people that were his homies, that hung out with him, that followed him around, okay? So the disciples of John came up to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast but your disciples do not fast. Why is that? Okay, so they're curious. Now, here's what, the Bible really only one time in Judaism does it, does it say that you are to fast every year, okay? Only one time. But what happened was through legalism and through the law and through man's obsession with working for their salvation, they added more, okay? They added more. 
through the added scriptures and the commentaries about Torah, about the law, they added more to where it was two, it was three, it was four fasts a year. So the Pharisees are fasting all the time. And as we know, Jesus has explained before, they don't just do it in secret. They go out and let everybody know that they're fasting because they want to be sought and thought of as holy. They want to be thought of as spiritual. Okay, now John, different story, but yet John still is using a very good biblical principle, fasting, okay, to, to show and signify his longing for God. So they're all fasting. But yet here's Jesus with his disciples, and they're not. They're not fasting at all. So, so Jesus is the Messiah, he's the King of Kings, and he's God himself, and he's the one that even gave the idea to fast in the first place. Why is he not fasting? This is the question, why are you not fasting? Out of everyone that should be fasting, Jesus, it should be you. And here's Jesus' response. It's so telling and it's so powerful when you understand the magnitude of it. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast. Okay, raise your hand if you've ever been to a wedding where they fasted. You don't. You don't fast at a wedding. You celebrate. You eat cake, okay? You, you, you eat. You, you enjoy it. It's a party. It's a time of great celebration to say, we are, are so jazzed about this marriage, about how God brought people to, this, this couple together. It's a time of celebration. You don't fast. You don't fast. Well, when you do fast is when you're waiting for the bridegroom to get there. That's the worst, isn't it? Like they're doing pictures and you're sitting in there for 40 minutes like are we going to eat or what hurry up and take your wedding pictures so we can get our catering and get our get our food going you guys all know what i'm talking about don't pretend like you don't um you're sitting there starving right this is the imagery that jesus is using he's saying you fast when you're waiting for the bridegroom to come but you don't fast when he's there now what jesus is implying there is huge what he's implying is that he is the bridegroom He's there. There's no need to fast. There's no need because he's there. Now, the first thing that's implicit in this story that I want to point out is that fasting is synonymous with longing. Okay? Everywhere in the Old Testament that you look, you will see, uh, at least everyone that I could see, has to do with some sort of longing for something. They're fasting because they want something. They need something. They're longing for something. Here's an example. Um, in Judges 20, the Benjamites fasted and defeated the other, Israel, uh, the other Israelites. They were, they were fasting as a means of longing for a victory. In Jonah chapter 3, when Nineveh repents, they fast. As a sign of longing, a longing to be forgiven for their sin, as an overflow of repentance. King Darius, in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, he fasts because he's great sorrow and longing. He feels guilty for throwing Daniel in a pit of lions and he can't sleep. Okay? Uh, in times of distress, David fasted after he heard that, that Saul and Jonathan were dead. He had great mourning and great grief. And he fasted, and it was an act of longing. An act of great sorrow for God to move, for God to work in that situation. Always longing. John Piper again says, Christian fasting is at its root. Sorry, let's start over. Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of homesickness for God. So if fasting is synonymous with longing, we don't fast when Jesus is here because he's here. 
Okay? But what does Jesus say in there? He says, there will be a time. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So what do we do now? We're waiting again. It's a little different because the Holy Spirit is within us. Jesus has come. He's paid for our sins. And now we're simply waiting for that consummation to come. We're waiting to be swept up and carried to heaven with him eternally forever. But the bridegroom is not here. So he says there's going to be a time to fast. It's not now because I'm here. So not only does this, this fasting show longing, but fasting it is meant to show that we long for God, okay? So that's, that's really the, th- the third, what's, leg, there it is. The third leg of the stool, okay? Is that we, we, we fast to show that, God, we're longing to be with you. We're longing for you to come. We're longing for your presence. So if you're at a point right now where you are looking for an avenue of worship to God, Lord, I want to find a way to physically express my spiritual longing for you. Fasting is a fantastic way to do that because what it is doing is it's identifying physically with how you're feeling spiritually. God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry to be in heaven with you. I'm tired of this world and the weight that we carry and I'm tired of sin and I'm tired of pain and I'm tired of struggle and I'm tired of not knowing what's true and not knowing what's false and I'm tired of being let down by people and I long for you and I want to express that through physical hunger and I want to be reminded of that every 10 minutes when my stomach growls that oh yeah, you are what I want. You are what I long for. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. Um, when I met my wife, um, fell in love with her, three months later, I went down to um, Pacific Diamond Jewelers, which is gone now, um, something else, like a pawn shop now. I went down there, and I picked out a ring. And um, it was really cool. It was really special because I didn't have the money to get it. I refused to put it on a credit card because I didn't want to be like, hey, babe, we're married. Let's pay off your ring. You know, I didn't want to do that. Um, there's anything wrong with that. Um, but I didn't want to do that, so I said, I'm going to pick out a price that I know I can pay off in, I was like seven or eight months or something like that. I'm just going to come in every two weeks when I get paid, and I'm going to pay cash, and I'm going to pay money on that. And it became like this really special thing. She had no idea. She had no clue. And I would come in every two weeks, and I would pay a couple hundred dollars or whatever it was, and it was enough to where it hurt. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, I'm not taking that trip, or I'm not buying that shirt. Um, pay the $200, I would look at the ring, and every time I would do that, it would just remind me of this longing that I have to be with my wife, to, to marry her, to make her my bride. It was this really special thing. And, and I think very much that is what fasting is. It's just a simple and a quick reminder of the simple fact that we long to be with our bride. It's just a, it's just a way to sort of spiritually detox from all the things that don't matter. Now, Jesus goes on. And this is very important, cue in on this. Verse 16, after Jesus answers, he says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. What is he talking about? Okay, Jesus is using two physical pictures that they would all understand because contextually that was a normal thing, okay? Uh, He says, look, I need to illustrate for you the reason why. 
Okay, I need to illustrate the reason why they're not fasting right now. Here's the reason. Number one, if you take a new piece of cloth and you sew it onto an old piece of cloth, that new piece of cloth is not shrunk yet. And it's going to shrink and it's going to rip off and spoil both garments. He said, if you take new wine that has not fermented and expanded and put it into old wineskins, it's going to burst out of the old wineskins. What he's saying is, is that don't take something old and mix it with the new. God's not trying to come in and just fix up the law a little bit. Jesus wasn't just coming to say, oh yeah, I like, I like the law and, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to you know, tweak a couple things and, and, and you know, make the Pharisees you know, turn a little bit this way and, and, and fix a couple things in the temple. No, it's not what he it is. It's gone. The temple is going to be destroyed. And Jesus said, I'm replacing the law. I'm fulfilling the law. I'm accomplishing the law. And I am a new work, a new thing. And don't try to sew me on to the law. Don't try to take your four, five, six, seven times that you fast a year to feel good about yourself and feel spiritual and sew that onto my new covenant because that's not the point. Jesus says fasting is not meant to be something that you try to attain to salvation. Fasting is something that you do to draw near and be close to God. It's what it was always meant to be. So Jesus is very clearly, through this imagery, saying don't make fasting something it's not. It's about relationship. It's about showing longing. It's about showing physically what you're feeling spiritually. It's not about check that off, did that this year, cool, now let's move on. It's not what it is. It's not what any of these are. All of these disciplines are not meant to make you feel like now you're a good person. Not meant to make you feel like now you've achieved Christian level 3.0. Not to make you feel like now I can sleep at night because I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to, like you paid your credit card off or something. It's not the point of these. It's not the point of the spiritual disciplines. The point of these is to better understand what God has already done for you. The point of fasting is to understand the new work that God has already done, not to sew it on to the works that you so, have so tried to, to justify yourself in in your life already. It's very important. Perfect illustration of this. Do you guys know what today is? Ash Wednesday. Does anyone know what Ash Wednesday is? Okay, hopefully I don't butcher it because I, I was just introduced to it today. But basically, um, and, and I think, parenthetically, I think a lot of people probably have really good motives about this day. And I think it's a really good thing in a lot of different ways. But for many people, today is the start of, of what they call the um, a time of reflection. It's the start of Lent, basically. And they fast today. They put ashes on their head in, in the shape of a cross. And, and it basically is to, to signify that now they're going to, to enter into a time of, of, of prayer and fasting and worship um, leading up into Easter. What's really funny is what happens the day before today. Does anybody know? <laughs> yeah, Fat Tuesday. Uh, also, there's another thing called Mardi Gras, <laughs> which roots basically happened. Uh, we're we're going to go repent tomorrow, so let's go sin it up today basically the, the point of that, the, the roots of that. Let's go party it up. Let's eat whatever we want. Let's do whatever we want. Sleep with whoever we want and do crazy things because tomorrow we're going to fast and we're going to repent and we're going to pay for it later. That is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. That is taking fasting and saying it's something that is to create penance for sin. It's never intended to be that. It's never intended to be that. Now, that's not to diss Ash. Wednesday, okay? And just there's some people out there that are, that are totally missing the point. Totally missing the point of fasting. Okay, number four. Our fourth leg of the table. Number four, the reason we fast, the why behind fasting is to seek clarity. And this is kind of the more practical piece. 
of this, to seek clarity. Uh, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to look at one more text. This is a very key text as well. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, sorry. It says this. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, I think, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, And while they were worshiping, okay, this is a group of the early church leaders. Jesus has ascended. Churches are being planted. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and, what? Fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, you're like, big deal. Why is that such a crucial? This is one of the coolest verses if you look at it through the lens of history. Here's why. John Piper said this about this verse. He said, the moment of prayer and fasting, sorry, this moment, this moment we just read, this moment of prayer and fasting resulted in a missions movement that would make Christianity the dominant religion of the Roman Empire within two and a half centuries and would yield billions of adherents to the Christian religion today with a Christian witness in virtually every country in the world. 13 out of 29 books in the New Testament were a result of this ministry or this missionary journey. So I think it is fair to say that God was pleased to make worth in prayer and fasting the launching pad for a mission that would change the course of the world history. Is there not a lesson there for us? Yes, there is. Let me explain what he's saying, okay? What he's saying is that the, the missionary journey that they were about to embark on, that the, they said, you know what, let's hold on. Before we make a decision, before we decide something, let's stop and let's worship and let's fast and let's seek the Lord in every way that we know to bring clarity as to whether we should go. Taking that moment to do that has literally connected and led to where we are right now. Do you know that? Because it was that missionary journey and the missionary journeys that were were decided to do through the clarity given through fasting that led to, within two centuries, Christianity becoming the religion of the Roman Empire, which led to Christianity being spread all throughout the Western world, which has led to you and I, even hearing the gospel, okay? Yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff happened in between the Crusades, sinful men screwing it up for sure. But God's hand, the Holy Spirit, has brought the gospel to Medford, Oregon. And it traces back to a decision made in the Holy Spirit through the clarity of fasting and worship by the early church. Because they said, you know, we don't want to just haphazardly go out and do whatever. We want clarity. We want to go where God wants us to go. We want to know his vision, his mission. So we will fast and we will pray and we will worship. And by doing so, God sent them exactly where they were supposed to go, exactly when they were supposed to go. How cool is that? How cool is that? Now notice a few things about that. 
Number one, notice that the leaders of the early church, first of all, saw fasting equally as important as worship. And even his giving. Even Jesus, when he lists off uh, how to worship, how to pray, how to fast, he, he does them all in the same way, which means it's important. They found it as an important tool by which to achieve the clarity they were looking for on where to go. The second thing I want you to notice is that fasting is always for a purpose. This is where I totally didn't get it before, okay? The two times I fasted from food for 24 hours were pointless because I did it for no reason other than I should probably do that. That's, I read so something in the Bible says about that. I should probably fast. There was no purpose. When they fast in Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, they're fasting for a very specific purpose. God, we need direction on where to go, on where we should plant churches, on where the gospel should be sent out. We are always to fast with purpose. Okay? Don't just fast to fast. Fast because something is burning on your heart and you want clarity, you want vision, you want God to speak and to pinpoint and to show you what to do and how to do it. Okay, that's the purpose. You need a reason. David Livingston, the author, said, fastings and vigils without a special object in view are time run to waste. It's pointless. Okay, if you're fasting for no reason, it's pointless. You might as well just go eat a cheeseburger. It's pointless. Do it for a reason. Do it for a purpose. We have plenty of examples of this in the, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Um, Ezra, you guys remember we talked through the book uh, of, of Nehemiah, which took place right after Ezra. Ezra fasted as he prayed for wisdom and protection when he prepared the people to return to Jerusalem. So we're about to take on a big endeavor. We're going to try after the exile to return to Jerusalem. This is a big deal. We're going to fast. We're going to get clarity about whether this is what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. Esther, remember the book of Esther? We taught that too on a Wednesday night recently. Queen Esther and the Jews, when they were about to be exterminated, prayed and fasted that God would give them wisdom on how to escape Haman's wrath, right? Jesus said when he came down the mountain, years later, Jesus came down the mountain and the disciples couldn't cast this demon out. And he says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Okay? It provides clarity. It provides power. Moses fasted for 40 days. His was a supernatural fast because he didn't drink water. Okay, Moses fasted for 40 days and as a result received the law. Okay, there's clarity in it. Andrew Murray said, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express and deepen and confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice everything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Did you catch that? I gotta read it again. Prayer is reaching out after the unseen, but fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. It brings clarity. It brings kingdom perspective to realize and to recognize that your body is not yours, that your life is not yours, that life is more than filling your belly, that life is more than watching the next show, that life is more than getting a raise, that life is more than even something as good as seeing your kids grow up, that life is more than simply having a good marriage. Life is more than simply community. 
Life is more than all of these things. Life is to be filled to the brim with the goodness and the glory of God. And anything short of that, you're selling yourself short. Fasting reminds us that though food is good, it gives us the clarity to realize that God is better. God is better. So let me ask you guys, okay? Let me bring this down. What do you need clarity in your life for? Is it how to raise your kid? Is your teenager really pushing back hard and you don't know what to do? You're struggling in your marriage. Your wife wants to leave. You want to leave. You can't get traction. You can't go anywhere. You can't move forward. What are you looking for clarity in? Your business is struggling. You don't know if you should have that partnership with someone else. You don't know if you should invest money. You don't know if you should sell. You don't know if you should file bankruptcy. Whatever it is. Your walk with God, you feel like you don't feel him anymore. You feel like you don't know him anymore. You feel like your devotional time is weak. You feel like you don't have any insights into the word anymore. Your health, you're struggling. You have cancer. Your knees are giving out. You don't sleep at night. You're depressed. Whatever it is, everyone in this room needs clarity on something. And I want to encourage you guys that fasting is a tool by which to achieve the clarity of how to get through that situation. And one of two things is going to happen, okay? One of two things is going to happen. Either God's going to answer your prayer, which he does, or he's going to give you the clarity to see why you are in the situation you're in. He's either going to pull you out of it, or he's going to leave you there and he's going to tell you why. Because he loves you, and he knows why he wants you there, and he knows how he's sanctifying you through that situation. But can I just say that we have neglected as the church a fantastic tool of clarity, a fantastic tool of clarity. Now, does this have to be food? No. Okay, I'm training for a marathon in a few months. I don't think I can stop eating. I might drop dead. <laughs> I have to run so many miles. If I stop eating food, I'm gonna die. But I really am gonna pray about and really am gonna think about, Lord, what is something that I can give up? If not food, what is something that I can give up to bring clarity in situations that I know I want clarity in? And would you guys partner with me in that? Would you guys think hard about this? God, I want to know you better. I want to be closer to you. I want to recognize that you're better than creation, that you're better than everything I love. And I want clarity and answers in my life. Fasting is a fantastic way to get that. Every time you're hungry, you're going to remember what you're fasting for. Your stomach grumbles, you're going to think, oh, I know why I'm doing this. It's to keep something on my mind. It's to receive clarity. It's to pray about something. It's going to pray for someone. So many things. I just want to encourage you guys to reach out to the Lord this week and really think about what that is. And really think about how the value of this spiritual discipline can be flushed out in your life. Amen? That's all I have, guys. Let's stand together and pray, and then we'll cut you loose. Lord Jesus, you're our king. And God, you truly are enough. And Lord, we forget that every day. God, I forget it every day, that you're sufficient for me, for all my needs. God, I just pray that even now, Holy Spirit, you would just begin to work in the hearts of each of my brothers and sisters. Begin to show what it is that you may want them to reach for clarity on. God, I pray that we would understand 
God, that you are the answer to that question. Lord, that you are the healer of our pain. And God, that all that we are looking for is to be found in you. So Lord, I pray for this body. I'm so thankful to be part of a family that loves you, a family that loves me. I'm thankful to be part of a church, God, that is more interested in your presence and your will than anything else. I just pray you would preserve us, Lord, that you would keep us, God. And Lord, you would continue to teach us as your disciples. Thank you for being our friend and our master, our maker, our all-sufficient one, our king of kings, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you guys. Don't forget, no church next Wednesday, but we will see you Sunday.